everyone and welcome to reverse the verse uh, from Frankfurt Germany live today is October 28th 2016 yeah I think so. um, I am Brian Chambers development director of the Frankfurt founder 42 office um, thanks for tuning in for those that don't know reverse the verse is what we do the day after around the verse um, it is a weekly live, live, live stream with the fans. Uh, we meet some of the people that we're showing off content and explaining stuff in ATV. Um, and it gives you guys an opportunity to ask questions, type them in, and we dig, can dig into some more detail if you guys are interested. Um, if you do have questions, if you go to robertspaceindustries.com in the chat section, um, put your questions there. Please put it in brackets. Put the word questions within brackets. That way we can easily filter them and uh, get to them a lot quicker. Um, this week, uh, we've had a good response to ATV. There was, I woke up to tons of comments this morning. Um, people said I looked incredibly tired. <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of good comments, a lot of good support. Um, it was cool for us to be able to dive into the proc planets, the, the procedural work that we've done. Um, so this week, on Reverse the Verse, today we have two people. We have Hannes Appel, who is the director of cinematics and had a big hand in the visuals in Homestead. Um, and then we also have Pascal Muller, our senior environment artist. So. We'll start with Pascal here. So, um, senior environment artist, what so what exactly do you do here? Like, what's your what's your day to day, and what are you in charge of? What are you pushing on? Well, when I started at uh, Foundry Forty Two, was about a year ago, last September. Um, back then, we weren't really working on the procedural stuff, mm -hmm. so it was just an idea and uh, a long term goal. So I did like. Uh, some space station stuff. I supported the guys in the UK because there weren't very there were there wasn't a lot of environment artists here at the time. You um, you were telling me the other day the what was it the first asset? You, what was the very uh, first asset? Yeah, Ian, the the art director from the UK. He uh, he came to me and he gave me like this white box mesh. It was really rough. Mm -hmm. He said, "Okay, dude, you have to make it look nice. That's your job. See how how you do. You know, with the yeah, art yeah. style, everything is new." Um, so I did that and I went to it, I finished it, I gave it to Ian, he's like, yeah, this is cool. And normally when you make a game, you wait for a long time till it's in the game. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely. in this case, it's like a couple of weeks later, it's in the game and it's like this console where every player goes to, to select his ship. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first that was the first asset he created when he started with us. So. That's, 
It's a nice payoff. That's cool. Now jump to today. I mean, you're kind of in a rare position in a sense as far as an environment artist or a senior environment artist. You, you've been primarily tasked with uh, the tech team, yeah. with the engine team. Yeah. I mean, you guys are doing a lot of big brain work to sort out how terrain's going to blend. So can you give us a little more about that? Like, how, how, How's that been in working close with those guys? Yeah. So basically, um, in the beginning, it was kind of tricky because it's like two worlds clashing if you have arts and code working yeah. together. Yeah. So it takes some time to get used to like how they talk. Everyone like one dude thinks in pictures and the other dude thinks in numbers. So uh, yeah, it took it took a bit of time to get adjusted. But mm -hmm. basically, um, Marco and the guys they kind of pro provide the code. I talk to them to like I kind of I'm kind of like the bridge for the artist who's in the end going to work with the tools. Yeah. So I provide all the stuff that's needed, like height maps and textures and materials, and just generally give art feedback for like, if I realize, okay, we want to achieve this uh, quality. Mm -hmm. and I know, okay, we need this and that. So I can talk to Mark and look, this is the visual fidelity we want to achieve. Marco himself obviously has very high standards as well. Yeah, yeah, he does. And uh, yeah, together we try to find a, find a way to solve all these issues. Cool, good, good. Um, yeah, I know. I always see both Marco and um, Carson at your guys' desk, and sometimes voices get louder when you're getting excited and getting into stuff, and you know. But it's good. I mean, the the progress you guys have made in such a short amount of time, from the fo the code first kind of getting live in engine into you know, you look at what we did at Gamescom and then flash forward the amount of ecosystems we were able to build on this new planet for CitizenCon. I mean, that it, it I guess, tell me about the, the kind of the iteration process and the speed, because I mean, obviously you need to ramp up, but, yeah. but how is it now as far as iterating and developing new stuff? Um, we, I mean, in the beginning, it's a lot of R&D, you know, you never really know what the final product is going to look like. Yeah. Of course, uh, you have an idea, and Chris has an idea of what he wants. Absolutely. Um, then we had uh, the whole V1 thing, mm -hmm. um, which we basically went away from again because we saw, okay, kind of hitting certain limits. We cannot continue with this tech. Uh, we have to take a different path. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of iterating, and it's mostly, it's kind of a, you can't really plan much ahead. Yeah. Like also for 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 project management management. Yeah, it's yeah, difficult. Because like, you never kind of give it. That well, time. no, I, I think that's why it was it was an active decision that you were basically driven and tasked by the tech team. Yeah. They knew you guys needed that breathing room. They knew the code was there and solid, and we really had to work out how to get terrain to blend correctly and all that. So, let me uh, let me jump to some of the questions. Some of them are coming in now. Um, and if I ask you some we don't know, then hey, we just don't know yet, right? Um, as an environment artist, and particularly on the procedural planets, how do you tackle designing each ecosystem knowing that you have they have to blend with each other in ways that you probably don't even know yet? So I know you're not necessarily design, you know, not meaning traditional game design, but how are we laying this out? Because it's true, and we've talked about that too, where, we're r and in an ecosystem, but next thing you know, as we do it, this one needs to be next to here and here and here. Yeah. So how are, how are those kind of, those edge cases and that blending, how is that working? 
Um, I mean, the blending of different height maps in general, like if you have mountains and then you have sand next mm -hmm. to it, it works. Uh, like the technology wise, it can be done really well, uh, but in some cases it just doesn't make sense. So, um, if, for example, if you have like a pitch black mountain uh, and next to it you have, you have white sand, it's obviously going to look a bit strange. Yeah. But this is then uh, comes from the art direction. They tell you, okay, this doesn't look good. We just have to change something. Um, but basically, in general, we get uh, concept art from the UK. Mm, our concept artist, he sets up all these biomes, these ecosystems, what they're going to look like, mm -hmm. uh, kind of takes them apart and also shows you like how it's going to look like on a global scale, yeah. also on a detailed scale, what kind of vegetation there is and That's rocks cool. and all those types. So when you guys are jumping into it, then you have a really good idea at least what, what your target is after. Yeah. And then it's you working with tech to go, cool, how do we yeah. achieve that? Because sometimes we always hit a certain limit, you know, what we did so far was very organic. Uh, like Earth-like planets, we can can get get them looking pretty good. Mm -hmm. But now we are thinking of stuff like Arcorp that's very mechanical. Everything yeah, is yeah. like it's a huge cityscape basically. So um, we had to figure out uh, certain ways on how we achieve that. So before we go into production, we always make sure that we have the tech there that it can be used by Absolutely. the artists. Because in the end, we also we always need more than one dude. You cannot. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes back to kind of the tools and part of what you were showing off at ATV, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, we can, uh, we have tools to create the planet. We have tools to help with these ecosystems, but we still need assets to put in there, yeah. right? And then on top of that, the environment team is going to go in and start handcrafting all this stuff with the level designers. So, um, Another question, uh, will we be able to see permanent or lasting effects of weather in the environment, like lightning, damage, trees, etc.? Hmm, you know, we're talking, uh, I mean, we have, we have this plan that you have, um, that the terrain changes if you have like big explosions, you know, yeah, like yeah. grenades and stuff like this goes up and you kind of have like a, a hole there, which is not going to be permanent because there's like thousands of people coming there and yeah, throwing yeah, their grenades. So it's going to go away after a while, it's not going to be permanent. But we were also thinking about um, if, if, if you want to harvest resources, like hacking down trees and stuff like that, um, that you will, that the resources kind of shift after like, say uh, for a couple of months, people have been chopping down all this wood. Yeah, and yeah. so the, the density of the forest um, goes down after some time. So you can notice it like, oh shit. Yeah, and then the landscape kind of does change, and you can see That's it visually. Cool. That's cool. Um, another question, which came through, uh, we actually saw at Sitcon out here in in Germany. Um, can you tell us about the water? Do you know how much we'll be able to interact and stuff with the water? So I mean, a lot of that is more on the design side, but as far as the environment side, maybe you can talk about water and what you've done so far. Looks nice. Yeah, looks good. Yeah. We're excited. Um, we had Anis working on that. Yeah. Primarily, right? Yeah. 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 He started a couple of months back, and that was like his first, his his baby, basically. Yeah, yeah. He's taking care of the ocean. That's cool. And um, um, 
So at the moment, visually, uh, yeah, it's, it's in a good place. Mm -hmm. We have all these tessellated three-dimensional waves. Yeah. Interaction-wise, um, there's not much going on at the moment. Yeah. Because um, we also have to take care of what's going on when you go underneath the water. Absolutely. And you need stuff like buoyancy, you know, like yeah. if, what happens if you want to land with your ship and this type of stuff. Yeah. As an artist, I don't really know if there's any plans for that yeah. yet. I mean, I, I, I do know on the design side, we're not going to block people, mm -hmm. right? It's not like you're going to get to the water's edge and hit, hit an invisible wall, yeah. right? We know we're not going to do that, but... Honestly, I don't know what what we've dug, what the design team has come up with, or what that roadmap is. But um, I know I know there's been discussions of okay, what would we do underwater, and how would it happen? So yeah, yeah we'll see. All right, more questions. Um, will procedural generation be used on giant city planets like ArcCorp? And almost very open ended. How does that work? Maybe yeah, you can talk us through a bit on that. We, we actually just started um, this week to prototype our corp. Yeah. Figure out ideas. Can we do it with the planet terrain? Because um, if you do something like architecture, architecture is very different. You know, if it's organic, you, you have these random shapes and stuff. Yeah. And in architecture, everything is very straight and angular. Yeah. And with this, uh, with the tessellation of the terrain, it you kind of can get away with uh, certain looks, but you will never get this like convincing city of Arcop with massive towers and uh, like skylines and this type of stuff. So uh, I, what I would like to do in the future is prototype something that um, uses the object scattering because all the objects on the planet will be scattered mm -hmm. uh, procedurally as well. Mm -hmm. So we will do something similar with just with really, really big objects, kind of scatter them over the planet. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know how, how happy Marco is with that. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to figure out, like, does it work uh, performance-wise and stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but then on top of that, that's when also then level design comes in. They know where the player path is and yeah. where they're going to, you know, where they want the gameplay to exist. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, what is your personal favorite environment to create or you've seen in Star Citizen? So I guess it could be one you've you've touched or you haven't touched yet? What are you looking forward to playing around with the most? Well, so far we've gone with uh, Earth-like stuff. Or yeah. We've been looking at the latest pictures from NASA, from Mars, and they have a lot of cool, inspiring stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, I'm looking forward mostly to really alien planets. Yeah. Where you just land and you're like, uh, Yeah, we were just, we were, we, that's what we were just talking about last night. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you can you can go really nuts with things like vegetation. You know, imagine you have like a different atmosphere. There's yeah. more oxygen. Yeah. Things grow like really big. Yeah. In a sense, I mean, it, it it gives you guys more creativity, right? Yeah. yeah. It's also a bit more of a challenge because the unknown. You still need to create all those elements that still feel like they fit yeah. within an environment. Although yeah. that environment is make believe, you still want those things to all seem like they're going to come from that same place. Yeah. You know? And it's a good thing because it's still artist-driven, you know. It's not completely procedural. Yeah. So you still have the control of, um, you can say, okay, uh, this is how a tree looks in our world and I'm just going to modify it, but it still keeps that essence of a tree. You can say, ah, okay, it's, it, it grows like this and you can, it still has, has this uh, believability. To yeah, it. yeah. So That's cool. It's definitely a benefit. Um, the other day it was interesting. I was uh, talking with you 
And this was, and we were doing stuff with ATV and going, okay, cool. Well, there's five ecosystems we had for Homestead and so on. And I asked you, I said, well, how many ecosystems are we going to have? It's a good question. <laughs> as many as we need, I guess. Yeah, no, and that was that was your exact response. And I think that's absolutely true, right? Yeah. I mean, we may have a, a certain level that we come up with within the next few months. And those are ones we're working with for the next six months or eight months. Yeah. But as we venture into other planets and other systems and so on and the alien ones, I mean, what kind of ecos, you know, do you have? snow alien ecosystem you have right yeah. it's it's going to be interesting it's going to be interesting as we push it along it's going to be cool so i mean it's yeah there's i mean we're not really limited by by the looks of it you know um asset creation and all this type of stuff it's still the same it's more just the tech to get it work on an entire planet yeah, once exactly. this is there you can you can really go crazy with the with the visuals cool impressive stuff so Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time with us. Thank you. Um, we're going to take a really quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will be back with Hannes Apple, uh, who is our director of cinematics. Hey everyone, and welcome back. Um, that was a really short break. Just Pascal's gone, now you're here. So, um, our next guest is Hannes Apple. Uh, he is our director of cinematics here at Foundry 42 Frankfurt. Um, so, I know what you do here, but why don't you explain to everyone else really kind of what you're owning here? Hmm. Um, so, I think uh, one big part would be the actual narrative PCAP, the that feeds into all the cinematic scenes for Squadron 42 mm -hmm. that we actually go to shoot at Imaginarium. So I would accompany Chris as a yeah. kind of co-director. He's basically directing the actors while I'm making sure that the staging is correct and lighting looks good. And I'm basically like a virtual director of photography. So you, you, you were basically, at, well, not basically, you were there directing with Chris basically every speaking role bit for a squadron, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we had like main shoot uh, last year and then another pickup shoot in May, July this year. I but think we basically have 95% of everything now, yeah. or 98%. <laughs> but ultimately, I mean, as director of cinematics, primarily you are responsible for all of yeah. the cutscenes for, yeah, for Squadron 42. I'm leading the team here and we are making sure that the PCAP gets integrated properly into our scenes. Yeah, and um, it's basically a bit tricky with our game because it's not just pre-rendered cinematics. We want to achieve most of them in real time. Yeah, so it's a constant back and forth and handover with the um, designers that mm -hmm. actually uh, make it happen, so that we can trigger it from AI and back and forth. That's cool. Um, let me kick off some of the uh, first questions. Um, uh, so, Squadron Forty Two. Mm -hmm. um, you were at the shoot for what probably 
a total of four months <laughs> over the last year, I would say. Yeah. I mean, how would you say that experience was? I mean, I was fortunate to be there a bit with Gary Ullman and Mark Strong and so on. And then Julian Anderson shows up. Yeah, no, I had the full range of emotions. Like this is basically, it was from living the dream to I can't believe I'm still stuck here because it was like so long. So yeah, I had like yeah. everything going on, but it was amazing. Like, especially uh, my favorite was, I think Mark, both Marks were great and Jillian, of course. <laughs> And just seeing them putting on this suit, that, that humbling suit, which is like, yeah. it's not totally not comforting. Yeah, yeah. And just playing these roles that we had on the scripts for so long on these pages and actually getting into these roles in a proper way. Like Gary Oldman was actually asking things about how Lou Handles speak and yeah, what is yeah, their yeah. whole background and yeah. all kinds I, of I things. I do still what remember the first time Oldman stepped up on the podium for his very first shot on his very mm -hmm. first day. And he was just rehearsing, but he was in full character. Oh, yeah. And everybody was running around like, you know, there's 40 people on set moving everything around. And he gave his thing in full volume and everybody stopped. I mean, yeah. the, the his, place first, was, his first the place was incredible. It was just yeah. perfectly quiet and he ran through the entire thing. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah and then we were like, did we actually record this? Yes, <laughs> exactly. So let me put the focus back yeah. then uh, to Homestead. So. Homestead, I mean, you, you were basically were in a sense the, the creative director, the visual director on it in a sense, right? How, how did, tell us about kind of how it started and how it became what it was. I think one goal was we wanted to see how mature our planet tools are when they are actually touched upon by artists mm -hmm. and they actually create something substantial with it that is actually playable. Yeah. So this is where the idea for Homestead came from. And then we basically went, okay, do we really want full jungle already? And we wanted to kind of keep this for later because also our asset pool was like basically not full jungle already. Yeah. So we were like, first let's do lots of jungle and trees. And now let's move this to later. And then we were like, okay, what can we really do now that looks really great already, which would be like an arid desert planet, but also Savannah highlands. So we choose kind of like a, if you would go to Tanzania, Kilimanjaro yeah. style landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we picked that. and. From then, it was basically working with uh, engineers, Carsten, Marco, Chris Bolte and Sasha every day, making sure that newest features are stable and make sense for what the artists need to do. So, but the, the planet started off really kind of as a test bed, though, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, let's make a demo. It was, cool, we need to test out these things. Mm -hmm. I mean, just as we were talking with Pascal, Pascal had the R&D, yeah. a tremendous amount to say, okay, how's this terrain going to work? So. Yeah. You guys basically grabbed it, but then when did it switch from like, okay, here's our test bed to, all right, cool, we're going to show this off and we'll dial in some mission stuff as examples. I think this just became natural because we wanted to make sure that if we have transitions from three ecosystems into each other, like yeah. you start off on a mountain range, go to a plateau, rocky, and then into a desert, that this feels cool also if you traverse it as a player. And then we invented some kind of mission goals that you would have in the PU if yeah. you actually do this to stuff. To push you through And the then space. Todd came on board and actually made sure that it's a proper PU design, like a proper mission design. It's cool. And yeah, it basically just evolved naturally. That's awesome. Um, let me dig into some questions, see what's coming through. Um, we have one in regards to cinematics and faces. Will we see the same quality level of faces in the cinematics um, and in game as well? Yes. Like the only difference is always 
what is your field of view? How close can you get to the guy? Is depth of field on? Uh, what is the lighting? The, these are the same assets. Yeah. We are not yeah. we are not and switching to another type of asset yeah, if you're in game. I will say too that that's that's um, that's fairly rare, mm. right? At least in my experience. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, here's cinematical. Now we have a different LOD for the head that's that's a crazy high, or here's, oh, yeah. the, here's the special cutscene head that we're swapping yeah. in. But he's absolutely right. I mean, our faces are the faces are the faces when, you, and they need to be able to hold up from a distance, and then you need to be able to get up close and, and see them as well. Yeah, they're actually so detailed in some cases where our current accessories for the faces are lower detailed than the actual faces. So they are so, they are very detailed, and uh, yeah, in game. You need to really bump into them really close to enjoy the detail that they can offer, which is great. Let's see what else we have here. What departments in CIG contribute most to the cinematics? Um, and what is it that they contribute? Uh, I mean, it's definitely character department and animation department, I would say. Yeah. Like constant back and forth with character department on look here's some penetration on the armor or how can we fix the snoopy cap and and what is with the hair and all yeah. kinds of things with the character uh, department animation of course because it's actually the raw material of what we're actually using in the cinema mm -hmm. cinematics without animation um we wouldn't have anything like we could just show ships drifting around and the characters with these static <laughs> no, of, course, of course and then of course there is a certain part that is kind of tool side r d because um for example our ships um, need to move in a proper way in cinematics that is yeah. kind of puppeteered and almost like remote control. So there's this part of the equation as well. Mm. We need to and we have a lot of those guys, I mean, not necessarily the disciplines there, but when characters are created and so on, and things get funneled here and, and Hannes is, is working with those various studios, um, then a lot of things end up getting assembled here though. I mean, with you and with our, our lead cinematic designer and the animators here in Frankfurt, you guys end up cramming it all together and mm. throwing cameras and lighting it and the whole bit. Yeah. yeah. Now we actually did uh, lots of R&Ding as well on the animation side when it came to um, like uh, what we showed at Gamescom with Miles Eckhart. This was also done by our uh, animation department here that is attached to cinematics. Uh, here's another question. Uh, the area we saw in the Homestead demo, is that the only area that's populated with content at the moment, or are there other sections we haven't seen with equal or lesser amount of things such as crash ships, buildings, etc.? So what we have is we have basically two types of dressing currently with our planet editor. One is um, we can just populate everything with certain rule set for rocks and trees and little bushes and everything that's totally automatic. So if you go to a different location on the on the globe and basically jump into a forest it looks populated already yeah. but there's of course like the the content currently needs to be hand placed like if there's a crash ship we hand place it in a certain area mm -hmm. that we find suitable so it's there's a real kind of sense of adventure going on if you actually you have this 1000 kilometer diameter planet in front of you and then you're actually scouting you're actually yeah, flying yeah. around like this would be awesome as That's a like right, landing yeah. site for pirates or this could like and then you actually, we will basically have these bubbles of content like a crashed javelin or a crashed little cutlass, whatever. And these get currently at least hand placed. We are also thinking about distributing them logically, of mm -hmm. course, because planets are so big. Of course. But this is ongoing. So um, they need to do lots of R&D for that, that we basically don't place a cutlass into some kind of either it's 
floating in the air then or it's in a canyon that you can't reach. There needs to be yeah. a certain logic rule set for that that it actually yeah, yeah. works properly and reliable. That's cool. Um, switching back to Squadron for a minute. Um, I, I, I'm pausing just because I don't know how to phrase questions so you don't right. give anything away, right? right? But I guess in general for um, the cinematics and that team and the R&D and the prep to make sure things are rolling the way you guys need. How, how's that moving? I mean, are you confident in, in where things are that you're pushing mm -hmm. forward? And Yeah, I'm definitely com uh, confident. I mean, the number of scenes we have is crazy high. Yeah, yeah, but we knew so, that for yeah, a while, yeah. So uh, there's lots of things going on, but for example, we have lots of scenes that are comms calls and these comms calls are kind of easy to yeah. uh, to set up. So there's a yeah, big yeah, chunk yeah. that is comms calls. Then there's lots of scenes that are kind of drifting in gameplay territory where we are also just helping out or supporting. And then of course there's a big bulk of scenes that are like the social interaction interstitial scenes mm -hmm. uh, during each chapter, which is a big part of the story. And then a kind of small part, but very important part is the full-on filmic cinematics, yeah. which is the stuff that is the most fun. So yeah, I was going to say, those are the ones yeah. where I think you always get excited about yeah, the yeah. most, right? No, yeah, if I have control over the camera, I'm in love. So, because <laughs> then I can get really close to the characters, I can change my yeah. lenses and everything. But our rule set for the game normally for Squadron is, if we can do it, it should be coming from player agency, we still stay in the player's eyes. But we have some cases where if the player is not present in a scene, yes, we will cut to this and then we can cut to it filming. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, I mean, that's, that's you know, interesting to note that we're doing as much as we can to keep control in the player's hands, mm. right? And I even know there were some, as we were talking them through, where we kind of had to take control away from the player, but we didn't want to completely, so we put mm. them on rails. Yeah. Right. Um, but again, there's so many of these that are interactive, if you will. Right. Yeah, I think we have like to somebody approaches you and, hey, I can go this way and hear part of the story. I can go that way and come back to this later if I want. But it's still you're making a choice and whatever choice you make, something new clicks off and you run down that, that yeah. route. Right. I'm, I'm fighting a constant fight like some. Some gamers out there probably are like, oh God, this guy's a cinematic guy. He will fight for quick time events and kind of framing dead no. bodies instead of actually discovering them and stuff like this. But there's this back and forth between design and our department where we went through these scenes and like, does it make sense to take away the camera for a certain bit and only give you look control or do we want yeah. to give you full freedom, but then can we funnel the player into a certain view? There's an ongoing process basically, but I also, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm happy about the balance that we have in the game. Good. It's definitely not something that's like constantly on rails or complete freedom. Or... Yeah. Another um, question. What tools do you guys use for creating cinematics or is it 100% CryEngine? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, camera shake, all the stuff, all the cameras get set up in CryEngine. Mm -hmm. the, the characters get set up in CryEngine. Of course, we're using Maya to yep. get feed the animation into CryEngine. And part of Motion Builder I think, times. Yes, yeah. part of Motion Builder. I mean, of course, we do texture work in like certain assets are then done in, uh, what's it called, Substance Painter. Mm -hmm. If they're but primarily, but it's basically, it's all like we are not doing, we have a timeline tool in the engine, so we are not in need to actually stage to cinematics in Maya with a camera or something. Yeah, like yeah. This. Like exactly. this is a 
really big advantage of our engine as well, and we should take use of it. Um, there were two questions that just came in. They kind of just answered a little bit. It says, uh, in scenes, will they be full on video style, or will the players just watching, or will you be able to still uh, walk or look around as the player? Um, I mean, we kind of answered this, but basically yeah. the rule of thumb is if the player is present and he's not knocked out or something, <clears throat> then it's from the player's yeah, point yeah. of view, and he's at least having look freedom. Most of the time he has full freedom. Yeah. Like when conversations happens, we will in a maximum lock the player in soft lock, like mm -hmm. he can still back away from the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but some important things like you get a briefing with Mark Hamill in the briefing room, we actually sit you down in the chair to watch the briefing. Yeah, like we I mean, there's, the, there's, there's certain elements I think that, you know, we need to give the player in order for them to move. Yeah. And even if that's just a few pivotal ones, yeah. but you know, they need that information yeah. to know that they better do this thing or this bad yeah. thing's gonna happen, right? And we actually have some kind of, like our captains for the hub ships, they will have, at least we captured it and it's, it's pretty cool. Like if you behave too much like a jackass on board and not like a military officer, then you land in the brig and the guys basically yeah, yeah, yeah. had high expectations for you and you disappointed <laughs> them all. <laughs> so there will definitely be the opportunity to also behave like a creep or, you know, bunny hopping idiot. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but bad. in some crucial scenes where we want to get the story across, we say no. Like we don't want to have in a like I don't know, key characters dying or something and the players consume like Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One question that I, I, I've heard a couple times, um, you know, we put out the the speech months ago, yeah. right? How long ago that's been now? It's been quite a while. It's basically a year, I think. It's been a year. No, not, yeah, almost, I think. Wow. Um, you know, and, and some people were criticizing a bit, going, oh, quality and quality and, and this and that. What would you say from where we are now versus what we put out there? What percentage of, uh, you know, at the quality bar did, did that hit? for you as far as like facial performance and so on? I mean, the performance itself was pretty good, but we had lots of technical issues. Like I can name a few, like I think some normals on his face were inverted. We had wrong type of skinning. Yeah. The hair was really not good. And his uniform was just the first pass. So from an asset point of view, it was not really that, that great. So I would probably say facial performance, maybe 85% or something or 80%. But but, and mean, an asset, asset performance, maybe 60 or what the asset actually looks like, 60%. So he looks much better now. I want to actually, of course, at one point, I need to go back and re-render this because this will also be uh, game content that you can actually view on TV screens uh, around the ships. So it will be definitely re-rendered with the latest um, Bishop and yeah, yeah, yeah. much better. Yeah, the reason why I ask is I've seen things deforming a lot better. Mm -hmm. and new shaders on the eyes yeah, and yeah. once you see, see things actually firing off the way that they yeah. need to as a one-to-one -one, it's been some of the no, stuff they, i've seen it's been nuts our problem is always we kind of make it look polished but of course there's still because it's an ongoing process there's yeah, lots yeah, of yeah, yeah. yes the things that you still need to work out or technical things we just for example a month ago we, we got something really amazing from jeff one of the graphics programmers so before that in cryengine the eye shader was always just giving these little dots no yeah, matter yeah, how yeah. big the light source was. And now we have, if there's a big area light in front of the um, character, then we actually see it reflected in the eye. Yeah, yeah. I saw Which, that at your desk yeah, the other day for the first time. Way better was, than before. Before it yeah. was always these diddle diddle diddle. Well, it's, it's amazing to me how just that simple thing, when I walked in and, and saw that face on your screen, it's immediately noticeable. Mm. 
right? It's, it's, it's amazing how just kind of that little detail you're like, oh, and it just, sometimes it adds something where you're like, wait, what's different, right? You may not even know and recognize it. The eyes especially, you always know that something's wrong with them, but you cannot really tell the eyes are something that humans, since they are babies, they think immediately can recognize what's off there or it's just, that's cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time. I know you're always stupid busy. Yeah. Cool. Um, some stuff, uh, quick community updates. Uh, we have free fly going on right now. It ends on Monday. Um, so if you have an existing account, you can try out the Super Hornet if you don't have one. If you don't have an account, you can go register one for free and jump in and try a Super Hornet. Um, we currently, we have the Asperia Prowler Art Contest underway. Um, if you go to our website, robertspaceindustries.com, you'll be able to see the details there. Uh, you design your own, you post it on the forums, and it's a contest that um, there's cool prizes both for the winner and a few runner-ups. Um, and then winners will be announced on our live stream, our anniversary live stream. Um, speaking of our anniversary live stream, um, we also, during the live stream, um, their fans are holding a bar citizen in Montreal, Canada. And word is, is that a lot of the turbulent guys were going to go and hang out and show up and hang out with you guys. Um, you'll have the opportunity to ask them questions and hang out with them and just relax. On the forums right now, I know there was some stuff where people are saying we could prepare some questions ahead of time. So if you guys are in the area, anybody out in Canada, near Montreal, want to check them out, that should be cool. Um, that wraps it up for us this week. Uh, thanks again. We appreciate all the support from the work that we're putting out. Um, you know, across from all the studios, we're working extremely hard. We're able to put out this content from from uh, your guys' support. So yes, thank you, and uh, we'll see you next time.